Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Californians will likely be asked to conserve energy through Labor Day due to an intense heat wave across the state over the next week. The California Independent System Operator, which manages the state's power grid, hasn't issued a flex alert yet, but the agency says it's likely they will. Flex alerts are voluntary calls to conserve electricity during the afternoon and evening hours when the power grid is more stressed. Elliot Mainzer is CEO of Cal ISO. We've instructed utilities on the grid we manage to refrain from maintenance operations that would take their equipment out of service during this heat wave. Temperatures are expected to be 10 to 20 degrees above normal through early next week. In fact, on Saturday, forecasters say Death Valley could reach the hottest temperatures ever recorded in the month of September, which is 125 degrees. And in other news, Bay Area water agencies are urging communities to double down on conservation and try to meet Governor Newsom's conservation goal of 15 percent. The Bay Area has so far cut water use by about 9 percent. Here's Alameda County Water District General Manager Ed Stevenson. We're now faced with the potential of a fourth year of severe drought in California and the West. And so we know that with every passing day, every drop of water becomes more and more precious. Stevenson's district has been installing digital water meters in homes and plans to give residents access to real-time water usage data. He says residents can save water by changing their grass lawns to more drought-resistant plants. And down in L.A. County, millions of residents will need to suspend outdoor watering in September. That's the message from the Metropolitan Water District, which is set to repair a leak in a critical pipeline. KCRW's Robin Estrin reports. The Southland's largest water district is asking 4 million L.A. County residents to cease outdoor watering from September 6th to September 20th. Residents of Beverly Hills, Burbank, Glendale, Long Beach, Pasadena, San Fernando, and Torrance will be impacted, as well as millions more in four local municipal water districts, says Adele Hodge-Khalil, general manager of the Metropolitan Water District. Soak your trees, water your gardens ahead of time, and also if if recycled water is available, Please access that. The outdoor water ban will allow officials to repair a leak in a pipeline that delivers water from the Colorado River to Southern California. Since the leak was discovered in April, the pipeline has been running at reduced capacity through the hot summer months. Officials say the repair cannot be delayed until the rainy season. What we want to make sure is we don't have a catastrophic failure of that critical pipe, because if that fails, 
It'll be an emergency. We'll lose water. Officials say they have been planning to shut down the leaking pipeline for months. For The California Report, I'm Robin Estrin in Los Angeles. The state Senate will vote today on a bill that would prohibit the California Geological Energy Management Division, or CalGEM, from approving the drilling and redrilling of any oil and gas wells within designated health protection zones. That's 3,200 feet from any neighborhoods, schools, nursing homes, or hospitals. Backers say SB 1137 will help reduce the health risks linked to living near these wells, like asthma, high-risk pregnancies, and cancer. If passed, the bill will go to the governor's desk for his signature. Governor Gavin Newsom has signed a bill designated to protect more homes from wildfire by bolstering the state's defensible space inspections. With more, here's KQED science reporter Danielle Venton. The legislation, sponsored by State Senator Bill Dodd from Napa, is a response to a report from last year that found Cal Fire was falling far short of its goals in checking defensible space around homes and buildings. The bill requires more detailed data collection and reporting of inspections, and allows Cal Fire to give grants to encourage local governments to do inspections themselves. According to Cal Fire data, The odds of a structure being destroyed by a wildfire if it does not comply with defensible space requirements is five times higher than if it does. For The California Report, I'm Danielle Venton. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. A controversial bill to overhaul California's mental health care system cleared a major hurdle last night. The governor's care court proposal would allow judges to oversee treatment for people diagnosed with schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders who are not receiving care. KQD housing affordability reporter Erin Baldessari covered the vote. The assembly voted overwhelmingly to approve the legislation, which is focused on ensuring that people experiencing homelessness can get the mental health care they need. Democratic Assemblymember Mike Gibson said the bill is a paradigm shift. We're doing something we hadn't done in the past. We're making a difference in the people's lives who absolutely depends upon us making the right decision. 
But others caution the program's success will come down to funding. California faces a shortage of housing for people exiting homelessness, as well as psychiatric beds and healthcare workers. CareCorp is estimated to add another 7 to 12,000 people to that system. Even as they voted to approve it, some members still questioned whether using courts to oversee care is the right approach because it could force people into treatment. Assemblymember Al Moritsuchi is a Democrat from Torrance. At what point does compassion end and our desire to just get people off the streets and out of our public sight begins? The bill returns to the Senate for concurrence before heading to the governor for his signature. For the California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari. A bill that would restrict solitary confinement for all incarcerated people in California, including at federal immigration detention centers, looks set to head to the governor's desk after clearing the state Senate Tuesday. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. AB 2632 would limit the use of segregated confinement to no more than 15 consecutive days or no more than 45 days in a period of six months, with some exceptions. The proposal, which would also generally prohibit the practice on people with disabilities or who are pregnant, would put California in line with United Nations rules that say prolonged solitary confinement should be banned. Critics like the California State Sheriff's Association argue confinement is sometimes necessary for the safety of inmates or staff. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And finally, a bill establishing tough new privacy rules for children under 18 is headed to the governor's desk as well, after it passed the state assembly unanimously yesterday. KQED's Rachel Myro has more from our Silicon Valley desk. The California Age-Appropriate Design Code Act is the latest instance of this state stepping in to regulate where federal lawmakers have not. AB 2273 would require age authentication of users and demand tech companies reduce the risk of children encountering harmful content, set their privacy controls on high by default, and restrict data collection. Modeled after UK rules, the bill makes California's Attorney General the enforcer and provides a hefty fine structure for noncompliance. Silicon Valley lobbied against the bill, described by some critics as likely to degrade the Internet experience for everyone. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Communities of color are disproportionately impacted by crime and gun violence, but historically say they've been left out of many conversations and programs meant to help victims of crime in California. But that's starting to change, as KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. On a sunny Friday in April, a small group gathered outside the Oakland Police Department headquarters. Good afternoon, everybody. I thank you for making this a priority. My name is Ebony Antoine. I am the executive director of Broken by Violence. They wore black shirts and caps emblazoned with the red letters BBV for Broken by Violence. Today we walk to raise awareness for every family that mourns without receiving justice, for every mother whose child never came home, for every wife who has to raise her children alone. Antoine led the group of mostly black men and women. They were there to call attention to the nearly 600 unsolved Oakland homicides from the past decade alone. But they also held signs demanding support well beyond the purview of the criminal justice system, money to help pay for therapy and funeral expenses, places to heal, safety, recognition. Antoine's husband, Corey Rojas, was gunned down in 2010 in apparent retaliation for helping a dying murder victim outside their home and talking to police. 
A few weeks after that shooting, his godson answered a knock at the front door. Rojas pushed him out of the way and was shot point-blank in front of his children and godchildren. Afterward, Antoine says, Honestly, I was treated like um, I really didn't matter. She felt let down by police, prosecutors, and the state. Antoine applied for help through the state's Victim Compensation Fund, which offers financial assistance to crime survivors. It did cover the funeral. But they were denied virtually everything else. Moving costs, help relocating to a home where her family felt safe, help with the income they lost when their main provider was murdered. There's no resources, but somehow you're supposed to dust yourself off and pretend like this horrific crime never happened. Antoine has become a leader in this movement, and her call is being made beyond the borders of this East Bay City. After decades during which the debate over what crime victims want and need was dominated by a handful of groups closely aligned with law enforcement and largely focused on criminal punishment, a new movement has emerged. It's being led by the communities most impacted by violence. And among their demands is a rethinking of who we consider victims. You know, it's not impossible for someone to have both experiences. It's not impossible for someone to have had a criminal record or had past contact with the criminal legal system and be a victim of a crime. Tanish Hollins is executive director of Californians for Safety and Justice, a nonprofit that views the mission of helping both criminal offenders and survivors as interconnected and necessary in order to build safer communities. Hollins, who lost two brothers to gun violence herself, is among those who've been pushing for changes to state law, so there's acknowledgement of the damage violence wreaks on communities. The way the law is currently structured excludes some of those people from being recognized as a victim, from being able to access trauma recovery services, or get mental health, or get relocated. For example, for decades, California's Victims' Compensation Fund has required victims to cooperate with police, and excluded anyone on parole, or who police believe was involved in the crime. Miriam Elmanshawi is director of the California Victims Legal Resource Center. She says leaving so many people out of the survivor system only creates more crime and victims. Stops them from being able to move on and to heal from uh, the injury. So it definitely creates a cycle where people, you know, aren't able to access help and then they they just go back into this um, same hurt. But things appear to be changing. Advocates, including Antoine and Hollins, have netted several legislative wins this year. California is increasing the amount of cash many victims can get and removing many of those barriers to qualifying for the Victims' Compensation Fund. And for the first time, community organizations will get cash grants so they can give money directly to crime victims in vulnerable communities. For Ebony Antoine, those changes come too late, even though the impacts of her husband's still-unsolved murder continue to ripple. Her then-teenage godson, who opened the door the night Rojas was murdered, is now serving a prison sentence himself for murder. But her three kids are doing well, and she's finding purpose in her work at Broken by Violence, where she helps other crime survivors advocate for what they need. So God knew that I was not going to allow Corey's death to be something that would be my demise, that I would turn my pain into power. Antoine and others say even with this year's wins, their fight is far from over. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, August 31st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com. Hint. 
fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.